1935 in Ada, Oklahoma, a Church of God minister by the name of George Muncie had set up a tent and was holding a healing revival across town. A 17-year-old Cherokee boy was dying of tuberculosis. He was already 163 days into his disease. He was on the very end of it. He was in the final stages, and he was about to die. His Cherokee Indian mother loaded him up with the help of neighbors and friends and family, and they carried him to this old tent where George Muncie was preaching. And not knowing if anything would happen, they carried this boy who was at death's door up to the, to the front to be prayed for. This boy who didn't know Christ, who was dying of a tuberculosis, was prayed for by George Muncie and was healed. He was so profoundly impacted by this that he started his own crusades as a teenage brand new preacher. His name was Oral Roberts. He ended up building universities and having healing crusades around the world because of an encounter with God that happened to him when he was 17 years of age. Across the world, in another country that wasn't even Christian, it was a Buddhist country. A young Buddhist boy was also 17 and was dying of the same disease. Tuberculosis had almost taken him out. And Buddhism could not offer him any hope of healing. So his family slipped in unannounced to a little tent where an Assembly of God preacher was holding a healing revival. And they let this little Buddhist boy go up for healing. And God healed him of tuberculosis. When this boy was healed, he could not explain any of this with Buddhism. So the only thing he knew to do is embrace the God of that Assembly of God evangelists. So he goes out and sets up his own tent and enrolls in college called the Full Gospel Theological Seminary, which was operated by the Assemblies of God. And after he graduated, this young man named Paul Youngie Cho started his own little tent church that became the largest church in the world with over a million members and fathered the Prayer Mountain Movement, a worldwide prayer movement, because a 17-year-old had an encounter with God that he could not explained and just like me it wrecked him it wrecked him it messed him up you see Jesus had a method for training these if you'll go to the next slide guys Jesus had a method for training his disciples we call this discipleship Jesus didn't train them in rooms with books which is what we try to do for discipleship that's not how it works Discipleship is caught, it's not taught. It takes an older generation. So I want everyone in, the, in, in my generation and above or around that, I'm in my 50s, so you can just do the marginal work there, right? If you're in my generation, 40s, 50s, 60s or above, it can't be done without this generation sitting around campfires with a younger generation and pouring our stories into them, pouring our, under, pouring our wisdom into them, pouring our, our knowledge into them. You have to have three fires to grow in the Lord. You have to have the bonfire, which is, which is what we have when we come together. This is the corporate fire. This is the bonfire. And then you have to have the candle. This is just you and God by yourself. This is that intimate time with God. But where you grow 
is not at the bonfire, and where you grow is not with the candle. Where you grow is at the campfire, and that is the missing component for most people. They do not have another generation mentoring them and pouring into them and embracing them around a kitchen table, around a campfire in a backyard, telling the great stories of God. I want to tell you, I was scared to death of God. I was scared to death of my church. I wasn't even sure I was even saved growing up, and neither was my siblings. I mean, we all struggle with the very same thing because of how the gospel was presented to us. But I remember those evangelists that would stay in my house, in my that would preach in my father's pulpit. I remember those evangelists that would stay and preach, and they would tell these stories of God healing people. And as a kid, I was so, I was embraced by these stories. I, I couldn't let them go. I would dream about them at night thinking, I just want to see God do that. I just, if I could just see God do that, it would sort things out for me. Maybe I wouldn't go to hell after all. You know, I wasn't sure about that, but I was so sure that God was real and that his power was real. I was so sure that the Holy Spirit was real. And that is what we've got to get into our young people today. Jesus said, sit around the campfire, watch me do ministry. And then he let them help in the ministry. And then he watched them do ministry. Then he released them into ministry. And unless we get back to that Jesus model, we're never going to release. I don't understand why one generation can sit by idly while another generation is figuring out all by themselves. They don't have to. We're supposed to be speaking into them. We're supposed to be pouring into them. We're supposed to be passing the baton to another generation that is coming after them. Listen, I've preached in every continent of the world with the exception of one. I haven't preached in Antarctica, but I've preached everywhere else. But I have there's that's the only continent I haven't preached in. But I want to tell you something. I want the generation coming up after me to go further than I've gone. I want them to preach better than I preach. I want them to sing better than I've sang. I want them to go around the world and do more. You can stand on my shoulders. You can do whatever is necessary to, to bring the gospel to the next generation. You see, the gospel was presented generationally for a purpose. When we look at Peter, James, and John, Peter, James, and John, we son, sometimes we call them Jesus' favorites, right? The inner circle of Jesus. That's not true at all, by the way. The only reason we say that is because they were invited into three rooms by themselves. Only three. Not 10, not 12. They weren't hanging out with Jesus all the time. Jesus invited them to three rooms. He invited them, go to the next screen if you will. He invited them to the Mount of Transfiguration. Go to the next screen if you will. There you go. He invited them to the Mount of Transfiguration. He invited them to the room where he raised Jairus' daughter. And he invited them to the Garden of Gethsemane. Those are the only times we see Peter, James, and John by themselves. That's where they get the reputation from. So Jesus chooses the two youngest disciples and the oldest disciple. Because Jesus knew he wouldn't be around very long. And he knew these hot-headed sons of thunder would one day go to the ends of the earth with the gospel. He knew that John would one day write the book of Revelation. He knew that James would become the head of the church. He knew that Peter would go where no... Do you realize that you're a part of Peter's ministry right now? Peter won a group of, of, of uh, an island to the Lord called the Anglos and the Saxons. They invaded England and brought Christianity to England. England is where our roots 
roots come from from America. You may not have traced this before, but you are a direct product of the Apostle Peter's message, and you're a direct product of the Apostle Peter's ministry. That's who you can trace your own spiritual heritage back to. But why did Jesus do that? Because Jesus knew. See, if you understand Hebrew, you have to read it from left to right, so it's kind of backwards. So if we take this story where he invited them backwards, the first place he invited them was Gethsemane. That's Jairus' daughter, where the dead is about to be raised. The second place he invited them was to the synagogue. That's the inner court. So the outer court of the temple is where things die. That's salvation. The inner court of the temple is where the priests function. So he takes them to the head of the synagogue's house, and he raises his daughter there. And then he ends up inviting them to the Mount of Transfiguration, which is the Holy of Holies. It's the Holy of Holies where they saw the glory. And Jesus said, this is more than just stories. It's transformational. It's more than a Bible. It's more than lessons and illustrations. It is, trans it is trans transformational. No generation can lose the wonder. I want to tell you two more things that I'm going to close. First of all, go, go to the next screen and then the one after that too, if you guys will. There we go. That's where I want you to be right there. Here's a story you only hear at Easter, but I want you to listen to it this morning. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple, and they were going to the tomb. This is Peter and John, the oldest disciple and the youngest disciple, who's about, he started with Jesus at 15. He's about 18 years old now. This is the youngest disciple and the oldest disciple. I saw these, these, these band members come here. Bring the, send the young one out to me. One of you kids, I mean, all of you kids could be my kids, right? Yeah, you're, you're this handsome guy right here. I'll take him. <laughs> sons of Thunder. I heard that. All right, come here, Sons of Thunder. Amen. So this is what it looks like. He got Simon Peter, this loud older guy, and he got this loud younger guy, right? And so they're in a foot race because this Bible says, the Bible says that when Mary, when the, when the ladies came and told them, that Jesus is risen from the dead. Notice what verse 4 says, that both ran together. Now, I'm not going to foot race you. I'm pretty good. I can run a 5K, but I have a good feeling that you would outrun me, right? Maybe. Pretty sure you would, all right? But if we were running to the tomb, this would be Peter and John running to the tomb. And the Bible says that the young guy won the race. Duh, of course he did, right? John outruns Peter. So I want you to get this. They're running together. Two generations running to the greatest moment of Christendom, the resurrection of Jesus. He didn't call one generation. He set it up so that Peter and John heard it first, and they ran together. But look what happens. Go to the next slide, if you will. So John gets there first, but John looks in, and he, he doesn't know what to do. He's 18. He has speed, but he needs wisdom. So he gets there first and says, I see this generation knows how to get there, but they don't know what to do once they're there. See, here comes my generation. And we're, we're overweight and we're out of breath. And we've been eating too much ice cream during COVID. We finally get there. And after I catch my breath, I look in the tomb. I think, oh, and that's, listen to what he said. Oh, he is risen as he said, and then he turns to John and says, come on in. And that's the moment, go to the next screen, that's the moment that John goes in after 
the wisdom invited him into the moment. One had speed, one had wisdom, but they ran together. One has theology, one has technology. And if you don't put it together, we will never reach this world. You can preach the greatest sermons that have ever been preached, but if no one hears them, you will never reach the world. When the gospel has been preached around the world, then the end will come. It takes my generation and this generation running together to get the job done. That's the only way we win. That's the only way we win. Thank you so much, man. What's your name? Jacob, Jacob man. Yes, You're cooler than I am. Thank you so much for supporting our ministry. If this has blessed you, please say a prayer for us. And if you would like to give, we have four ways that you can do that. You can give online at briancutshaw.com. Or if you're a PayPal user, just PayPal us at Church Trainer. Or you can also give through the mail at P.O. Box 267, Georgetown, Tennessee, 37336. Or if you're a Venmo user, you can Venmo us also at Church Trainer. Thank you and God bless you. And may the Lord multiply your seed. Now back to Hope in the Word. Young farm boy, 17 years of age. Another 17-year-old. Isn't that interesting? He just moved from a rural town of Northfield, Massachusetts. He lived with his uncle in Boston because he needed a job, and he worked in a shoe store. His uncle invited him to church because he had never been to church. And so he goes to church, and he ends up in this Sunday school classroom with a teacher with the name of Edward Kimball and all these young boys. Edward Kimball began to visit the shoe store. And one of these day, one day after coming in there several times, he invited these young men to accept Christ. This man's name was Dwight Lyman Moody. You may know him as D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody, this teenage boy who's just accepted Christ, was so turned on by the gospel. He would go around the world preaching the gospel. He started the Moody Church, the Moody Bible Institute, the Moody Radio Station, and Moody Publishers. He reached hundreds of thousands of people with the gospel. This teenage boy in a class with Edward Kimball, a no-name man. He reached hundreds of thousands of people with the gospel and tens of thousands more who've come up through his legacy from all the institutions he built. He would go out and preach these crusades, and during one of his crusades, he counseled with a young man that he led to the Lord by the name of Wilbur Chapman. Wilbur Chapman was so turned on by this moment that he became a great evangelist. Now, he was, at the same time, baseball in America was everything, right? Apple pie and baseball. It was a professional baseball player. It was very popular at that time. He played for the National League. His name was William Ashley Sunday. He went by the name Billy. We would know him more as Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday was born in an orphanage or raised in an orphanage and had a lot of issues and drank himself all the way through his crisis. As an adult, he was a professional baseball player and a drunk. But he stumbled out of a bar one night in Chicago and he walked by the Pacific Garden Mission where a street band was playing. And he was so drunk, he barely remembered it. And they invited him to go inside and listen to a gospel message. 
So this professional baseball player who was stoned, no pun intended to the family, he walked into this gospel mission. God sobered him up, and he gave his heart to Christ. Billy Sunday left there, quit baseball, and became a gospel preacher, winning millions to the Lord. Billy Sunday needed to be discipled, so he hooked up with Wilbur Chapman, who was the disciple of D.L. Moody. And Wilbur Chapman is the one who discipled him. One of Billy Sunday's ministries that he started was to businessmen, and he started this in Charlotte, North Carolina. It started out with this name, the Billy Sunday Layman's Evangelistic Club. They later on called it the Christian Businessmen's Fellowship. And in that setting, they would invite Christians or business people to come to a meal, and they would share their story. There was a man by the name of Mordecai Ham that was invited to eat lunch there one day who also gave his heart to the Lord. Now, he is one to the Lord because of Billy Sunday. Mordecai Ham stops, becoming, stops being a businessman and becomes a gospel evangelist. And one day in 1934, a young man raised on a dairy farm came to Reverend Ham's evangelistic meeting and he gave his name to the Lord. He gave his life to the Lord. You can go to the next screen. His name was William Franklin Graham Jr. He also went by the name of Billy. You would know him as Dr. Billy Graham. His ministry has won millions, countless millions to the Lord. All of this started with an invitation of a young man in a Sunday school class reaching teenagers. And now the world has once again been wrecked by young guns filled with the Holy Spirit. And the world will never be the same again. I hear people talk all the time about old-time religion. I'm not really sure what that means. I think it's referring probably to a style of preaching and maybe a style of singing. I don't know. I don't know that religion is ever going to change the world now. I don't know that any kind of new-time religion, old-time religion, I don't know that that's going to, I don't think religion is going to change anything. But I think revival can change everything. We need people who once again encounter God and His presence in a way that it messes them up and that they would stop becoming a they would stop being a baseball player and would become a preacher. Stop selling shoes and become a preacher. Stop being a businessman and become a preacher. We need a revival that will shake the world again. This generation is going to get the job done for the Lord, but it's not going to come in some of the ways that we think it's going to come. It's going to come when the glory of God comes down and fills their life and presence with the Holy Spirit. This program is brought to you by the partners of Brian Cutshaw and Church Trainer Ministries. Please help us pray that the Lord will continue to send us more partners so we can expand His kingdom around the world.